way, we were asking last week, do we think this is Jake's rock bottom? No. The, like... No, they solved the case. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's actually got to be it, right? I mean, last week he was he was broken in all ways. This week he tried to ask out a girl and didn't end up asking her out. All right, all right. So I take that back because when you put it like that, it sounds terrible. Welcome to Back in the Field. My name is Carl. And my name is Arthi, and today we're talking about Detective Majors. The episode, not the person. I mean, him too, but... Also the person, not the episode. I mean, both together. Yep. It's not a... It's, it's the middle of that Venn diagram. Yep, yep. Cool. So, this is one of the rare episodes where there's only two plots, right? There's no C-plot. Is there even a runner? We'll talk about it. First of all, hey Carl, what happens in this episode? In the A-plot, Jake and Amy get themselves co-assigned to work a case with Detective Majors, one of the hot shoddiest detectives in the NYPD. Over the course of it, it becomes clear that Majors intends to ask out Amy since the case is over, and Jake is in no way over Amy at all and is willing to admit that out loud to human beings. So Jake tries and fails to ask Amy out, and then Detective Majors tries and fails to ask Amy out, and then Amy tries and succeeds to establish a no-cops dating rule that will definitely never be overturned in the history of all time. Rosa is there, too. In the B-plot... Is everyone else? In the B-plot is everyone else. Um... A security company is trying to poach Terry. Uh, Boyle and Gina bend over backwards, try to get him to stay. Hold actually gets him to stay. He stays. Cool. Yeah. I guess we should talk about the B-plot. Yeah. I, I left it a little sparse so that we would have some stuff left to talk about. Sweet. So the B-plot, I actually really... I actually did like the B-plot. I We were talking before how, like, I... You didn't see the ending, and I and I did, and that's see weird. See the ending coming. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really. I I knew that whatever the hell Holt was pulling was going to get Terry to stay. I just couldn't figure out how. And I don't know. I I don't feel a whole lot of tension or engagement with the B plot this time around. I felt like it was it was very clear that there was no way that Terry was leaving for his trivial motive as, you know, wanting to enhance the life of himself and his family. You know. <laughs> Why would he do that in order to leave an organization like the NYPD? I mean, why, why would you want to get paid twice as much and have an office after, what, 20 years on the job? Ten years on the job? I don't know. I would... Yeah, probably 15 or 20 years, yeah. Yep. After all that time, why would Wood want to get paid twice as much and have an office? I don't know, man. It's pretty common for police officers to moonlight or retire and become security people. Yeah. Like work in security. Um, in fact, I think, like... I, I 
I reference um, Homicide a Year on the Killing Streets a lot, and a lot of those people ended up becoming detectives. So, it's pretty common. Lit- a lot of the characters or a lot of the actors? So, uh, so the show Please is... Please tell me it's both. The show is Homicide Life on the Street. Yeah. The book that it's based on is called Homicide a Year on the Killing Streets. Okay. That didn't answer my question at all. Sorry. Uh, as far as that goes, um, I think like half the cast got folded into the Law and Order universe and the rest went off to do other stuff. Okay. Uh, I think half the detectives featured in the in the book were became security people or like opened their own security firm. I think one of them opened a bar. Okay. Because that's how it works. Um, that that said, um, Latoya Ferguson over at the AV Club was asking like, is it is it kosher? Is it like okay above board basically to just blatantly poach somebody like in their place of business? Like, um, the way he's going after Terry? I mean, it's probably pretty rude. I mean, I don't fucking know what the etiquette is in the NYPD. I... I know it's open secrets that a lot of police officers end up moonlighting and doing, like, security work in their off hours. Sure. I assume that this is happening this way because of the long attempt to, to poach... Holt. Um, but possibly this guy is just brazen as fuck. I mean, I, I assume that they did it this way because they didn't want to build a set somewhere else. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think corporate headhunting works like this. No, it doesn't. Because I've, I've definitely had corporate headhunters come after me a couple times. And um, it's very quiet. It's yep. done very, very quietly. And as a human being, you're encouraged to not use your work email to respond to poachers. It's considered bad form. Makes sense. Yep. But the important part of the B plot is not Terry's whatever. It's Gina and Boyle interacting. They're whatever. What? Oh, the they're whatever, whatever that they own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. Uh, theirs, theirs is a much more compelling part of the episode here because, like. I, I just relished their interaction. It feels like... I know before the episode we started recording, you were saying that, like, they've teamed up a lot, and I don't feel like they've had... I mean, okay, they were working together in the Boyle and Eddie Whitting, which is weirdly only four episodes ago. Well, this is their, like, second major collaboration since they broke up, I think. But when they're in a plot together, they are usually colluding, schemesing, you know. <laughs> They're on a team, or something. Yeah. I'm just saying, uh, Gina would not have put up with that before, I think. I was noticing how, like, Gina kept trying to push Boyle to be, like... Cooler? Yeah! Just, like, better at, like, being her, uh... Crony. Yeah! (laughs) Her co-conspirator, is what I was gonna say, but crony works. Mm -hmm. Things like, don't just dogpile on my point, Boyle, find your own... Yeah. And then he does, and she looks kind of proud of him. What, what point does he get? He he says something, uh, he says something like, suck it, uh, other guy. Security's dude. That doesn't sound like a point. No, but he says something in, that she hadn't said yet, and so she's like, yeah, that's right. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Pretty good. But also it kind of goes back 
to like why we ship them in the first place. I mean, aside from them being the same size. <laughs> That's not how all ships work. But it helps. So yeah, um, Boyle and Gina were working again in this episode, and that was probably my... Like, do we feel that... I'm curious if, like... I think we were talking earlier in this season about how... Because this is also, like, a pretty strongly, obviously, Jake Amy episode. Like, their plotline, which we're going to come to, like, is, is Stay about... Stay on the line, gentle listeners. Is about that... Is about their, like, relationship stuff. And we were talking earlier in this season about how it feels like whenever one ship is happening, like, both ships are happening. And sometimes... Like, this episode didn't have a C-plot, and so I feel like that actually made me have the sense that, like, we had just enough time with both plot lines. Whereas, like, other times we've had a C-plot, um, and, and it feels like everything was more rushed. Like, do you remember the beginning of the season? Like, yep. we had some boil we had Boyle Gina stuff happening, as well as Jake Amy stuff, and every episode felt, like, over full. Like, there needed to be, like... Five, ten more minutes. And sometimes that's a great thing, and sometimes it's really upsetting. Because it's like, I don't feel like I have enough. Like, in, a, in like the sense of like character development stuff. So in this episode, we have no C-plot. So Rosa basically has nothing to do except be... She's being his confidant. And that's like her entire plot line in this episode. Which is fine. I have no qualms with that. She's probably got a lot going on in the background in her personal life. <laughs> that we don't... Yeah. Well, but, but it's happening with Marcus, so it can't be on screen. <laughs> Except in 10 second intervals. <laughs> of which there have been a total of like <laughs> two minutes so far over the course of an entire season. Has he even appeared 12 times? Has he even like been mentioned sometimes, 12 times? Sometimes he's been in multiple 10 second intervals. Oh, yeah, you're right. In a single episode. Gasp. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, my, my point, my, what I'm trying to ask is. Does it feel like in order for one ship to happen, both ships have to happen? I mean, if I personally... If that's the rule they're holding themselves to, or, like, not even necessarily intentionally, then it's, uh, not clever. <laughs> I think it skews, um... I mean, we were just talking last week about how character growth seem is most obvious when pinned to a romantic arc. Right? Yeah. And this isn't like the Boyle Gene stuff is very loosely pinned, except by our insane minds in a romantic arc. Um, but I think that one thing might be that, you know, in order for things to actually move forward with Jake and Amy, Boyle has to be kind of crowbarred off of the whole emotional energy of Jake's life for a little while. So there's room. I mean, he contributes to it in a forward way sometimes, but also, if we consider their deep friendship to be one of the primary relationships in the show, well, if it's, if, if the episode's about Jake and Boyle, it's not about Jake and Amy. You're, I see what you're saying, because like, like we said last week, theirs is a very romantic friendship. Right? And so you can only have one... I hate the term romantic friendship, but okay. I just don't believe in it. I don't believe in it very strongly, but I, I understand what you're saying. It's a, it's a very uh, it's a very deep and involved 
friendship. Yes. And one that has a lot of emotional energy invested into it. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, I, th- I think, I think I see what you're saying, because, like, but then at the same time, like, what about in episodes like Fancy Breadgum, where, yeah. where we have Boyle and Jake, like, having their, like, t- friendship being spotlighted, but there's still, like, some Jake Amy ship stuff happening in that episode as well. All the Jake Amy ship stuff is her playing support to Jake being a good friend. And them being flirty to each other. They can be flirty to each other all the time, but they can't progress by being flirty. So I guess that, like... So, so think about the moments when their friendship significantly... When their relationship significantly progressed, okay? There's uh, the bet where Boyle's on drugs and <laughs> then they go away from the location where he's stuck and mm-hmm. can't leave. Mm-hmm. There's Operation Broken Feather Again, they're where off they're on, on location. Yeah. There's um, you know that parking lot which is a, like a bottle, a liminal space or whatever. I mean it, I'm, I'm, it, like times when he's not around or something but like Boyle's always shunted off to do some other thing. Right? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Or they're in a different state. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we said they were in Vermont or something. Or they're busy planning a wedding. It's always something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's distracted. He, he, his emotional energy is elsewhere. Yes. Although, although in Tactical Village, it's... Sure. I mean, they were on location en masse, but Boyle was distracted... I mean, for, for, that isn't necessarily what I'm saying. I mean, Boyle helping Jake figure out his feelings for Amy, that's obviously a different line. But that's not about their friendship. You know. But see, I, I... So that's something that I kind of regretted in this episode not happening, is I really like when Boyle's like, yo, Jake, you gotta love her. <laughs> like, number one in-universe shipper, Boyle, right? Although but, apparently Rose is Boyle, getting it on that game. Yeah, but also, like, Boyle can't give advice about what Amy's like. That's true, because Boyle and Amy basically never interact. Yeah, and, like... Which, is is that the only real, like, arm that's not explored? No, it's Hitchcock and Scully. No one cares about them. <laughs> I'm giving what that the a look. Um, I, I don't know, but, um... I, uh, I think it should be Rosa, because Rosa can say, get off your ass and do something more adeptly, and, like, this particular, like, the lesson that Jake is struggling with here is, Boyle couldn't possibly say, you haven't given her the opportunity to choose you, and have it not sound like creep city, right? From her, that's legitimate emotional advice, and, like, helps helps Jake treat Amy with more respect. And it had to be her. Boyle can say, you should do what's good for you. But, but, it would, t- it takes Rosa to be like, this is what Amy's like, you need to give her a fair chance. We all know about your feelings, but, like, you know... 
Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I, um, I had, I had corroborating thought there. <clears throat> Which is, I think, I think, I think what, what you're getting at, maybe I'm misunderstanding. I want to make sure I understand. But I think what I feel like you're getting at is that Boyle can help Jake come to this realization that he likes Amy. But it takes Rosa, Rosa's intervention to get Jake over that threshold of, now what do I do? I mean, different people can do that for him in different ways. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying that the thing that Jake had to do this time, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, fucking ask, like, fucking ask her out, don't just wait for her to be happenstanced off to some other dude is a totally different message coming from Rosa because it's a message about Amy's agency. I do also appreciate that both times someone has been like, yeah, Jake, you need to do the thing. It's been somebody who, at the moment, was like in a committed, fulfilling relationship. Yeah. Like, I, I do like that aspect of it. And then from like a larger storytelling standpoint, I like that like we're seeing sort of the we're seeing something that I missed from this first season, which is sort of Jake learning something from everyone in the precinct, right? So we've had we've had we had in season one and late season one we had what Boyle be like, you like her, and Terry be like, Oh, so it's Amy you like <laughs> And then and now we have Rosa being like you need to go, like, give her that option. Right? Like, I like seeing these... You like seeing it take an entire village to raise a stupid giant man baby? I like... I like... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but also... That's your this is getting cut voice. It's not, though. Okay. I... what I... What I'm desperately struggling to say is that I... Jake becoming a better detective was, like, a big chunk of the first season, right? Up until about probably the three-quarter mark, at which point it became, like, Jake becoming just straight up a better person. Um, But Jake becoming a better detective was something that he learned from everyone in the precinct. I I like seeing... Not Scully and Hitchcock. (laughs) I mean, they provide the negative example of how to be better, right? Sure. (laughs) But... Also, great opportunities to raise a sunken casino. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, but like my what I'm trying to say is I like seeing the these these circles come back, right? Like the cyclical nature of like sometimes I get annoyed that the that the show is the Jake show sometimes, but I don't mind it when it's like about making that character like go to everyone. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess let's, let's we've been talking about the A plot. Let's talk about the A plot some more. Um, <laughs> That's a really good segue. No, there's <laughs> not any segue there. I'm just like kind of sure. pointing it out. Just like but so so I, I remember in our speculation about this episode, I really wanted them to sort of subvert the usual like, oh, competition. I'm actually kind of glad that like the competitive, and I'm using big air quotes there, aspect of, like, oh, another guy? Oh, I have feels now. (laughs) Right? It's actually just Jake against himself. Yeah, I'm glad that whatever I was fearful of, like, well, I would have liked the other subversion, 
like that we had thought of of like majors actually wanting to ask Jake out to ask Jake out. Well, I that like we, that we had thought of as a team. Yes, that was definitely all the two of us, and not at all something you came up with. <laughs> I can't tell how sarcastic you're being. Oh, very. I forgot that I always talk in a stupid monotone. Sometimes I forget that. You don't, though. I totally do. I just sometimes can't tell when you're joking. Oh, okay. That's different, right? Yeah, probably. That time wasn't sarcasm. I honestly don't know. So, <laughs> my... Well, I'm, well, I'm sorry to... Well, I'm a little bit sorry that the subversion that had been postulated earlier did not come to fruition. I am glad that, like you said... Jake's actual competition here is his own, is his own self. Like yeah, not like, and and the sitcom circumstances. Yeah, which La- Latoya was saying in her, or was it Sep? I think it was Latoya. Latoya said in her review that like in any other sitcom, these would be signs of them not supposed to be together. But in this one, it's just like <laughs> it's it's got great beats, right? Like it's just enough that like you feel for Jake, but it's also like. Not so much that you, like, just spit it out, <laughs> and it would be fine. I don't know. That didn't make any sense. Let me try that again. Um, <laughs> I think, like... I don't know. I like this. This this felt a little sitcom-y in parts, but I didn't mind it. Like, I actually kind of felt I was totally on board with it. Sometimes this show tilts to the sip- sitcom-y nature of, like, well, sitcoming, and I'm just not into it. Um, and sometimes it tilts that way, and I'm like, yeah! I thought Amy... So, I thought the... Oh, we're in a room with a bunch of gruesome crime scene photos. Oh, that guy interrupted us. I thought that was super sitcom and a little cornball, honestly. But the things they brought out about Amy's character, I thought sold it for me a bit. That's probably why it didn't feel like, yes, it was it was a sitcom device, but it didn't feel super sitcom Yeah, I feel like normally when that happens, what ha- the result is that the characters act less like themselves, because, ah, ha, ha, shenanigan circumstances. <laughs> but in this yep. case, Amy came, was, we actually doubled down on Amy's characterization. Yeah. Um, which kept the emotional energy headed in the right direction, right? Mm Because it was constantly reminding Jake that, yeah, you do need to ask this woman out. You're super into all the, like, weird things that she's about. What what was it they said? God, you're so consistent? Yeah, after she was talking about grouting in response to the gruesome crime scene photos. Yes. Contractors. It's a mess. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I, I don't know what I'm talking about. So, so the first, so, so that happens twice, right? The interruptions thing? Yes. That's the first time was with the gruesome crime scene pictures. And the second time was with, with Dr. Mini Jake coming in. I call him Dr. Mini Jake because he's wearing a Jake shirt and a Jake tie and it has a Jake No, no, that is the first time. No, it's, it's two beats in that scene. Oh yeah, sorry. What I meant is like, that's one scene where there are interruptions, right? So like, the first is the gruesome pictures, the second is... Oliver the M.E., who's played by one of the co-writers of the show, by the way, like Gabe Liebman, um, of, of this episode specifically. 
Uh, this episode was written by Lakshmi Sundaram and Gabe Liedman. Sidebar. Um, but so so that 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 scene is the three beats of that scene are the gruesome pictures is interrupting, the Emmy is interrupting, and or I guess the lab and tech. And then major interrupts. And then majors interrupt. Yeah. And then and and he's like, great, and now he's here. Um, but the second time is when they're staring at crime scene pictures of their case, right? And Jake figures out that it's the the cleaning service. That's how they're casing the joints. Right. Yeah. I was saying earlier, like, she's figured it out by then, right? Because she's, like, looking expectant, like, every time he opens his mouth. You mean figure out what Jake wants to ask? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean... Like, she's a good detective. I, I, I say there's about a 15% chance that Rosa told her. <laughs> You're because, right. I mean, why wouldn't she? But also, and if you want to get a super conspiracy theory about it, I bet that she planted the the tucking hair behind ears thing in Rosa's mind for that exact purpose because she's a mastermind. But that's a deep conspiracy theory. Wait, who's the mastermind? Amy or Rosa? Amy. Wait, Amy's the mastermind? What? What? Say that again. So, so I think you're right. That so if there's... you want to go really deep into the conspiracy theory, you could speculate that maybe Amy told Rosa to plant the idea of the double hair tuck thing. Because I can't think of another reason why she would double tuck her hair in that scene. Where, that, where Jake sees Amy in the bar. Some speculated that she says that she thought they were going to meet up for a drink to celebrate the case closing. Yeah. So some someone I saw speculating that maybe, like, Majors had mentioned Jake. And just like Jake called, like, huh, when Majors mentioned Amy to Jake in the bar, Amy did her double talk because Majors mentioned maybe. Jake to Amy. Maybe. Um, I think it's a little pat. I don't know. Um... Fuck, I don't know. Anyway, to, to get back to the original question, I think there's, like, a 0% chance that she hasn't figured out what he's doing at that point. Um, because he's called her aside for some irre- irre- irrelevant bullshit, like, twice already. And, you he's know... He's super nervous. He's super nervous. And the he last... He stopped hitting on Detective Majors. <laughs> it's pretty obvious. I... For me, it was like... I just was thinking, like, if I were Amy, and I had, and it sounds like she'd obsessed over the summer about, like, Jake liking her, right? Because mm-hmm. Teddy straight up says, like, every, when you talk about it, she freaks out. Yeah. I, I have a feeling that, like, if she obsessed about the, the ship the way the rest of us obsessed about the ship, she would have figured out that, like, all those times that when Jake, like, gets nervous and kind of serious like that, it's usually something to that effect. Yeah. Right? Like, about, like... I mean, he's already asked her out twice at this point. Or sort of, right? Like, there was a time in the parking lot, and there was, like, whatever happened when when he got back. She's... She knows what's going on. She's been there before. Yeah, he's got a tell, but yeah. he's got, like, seven tells. I mean, he's but, not like... a subtle person. 
he were. Fucking Christ, she's the best. De- she's one of the best detectives in the Nine Nine, right? Yeah, I mean, we say that about every stupid thing that ever happens, but like, <laughs> yeah. no, there, there, there's no way she doesn't know. Yeah, like she figures it out because it. I was watching it and I was watching her and I was like, she looks really anticipatory. Yeah, um, and a little so. You were asking earlier. Then the question is why. Why does she shut Jake down at the end of the episode? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Because she's clearly, like, waiting for... If, if you watch that, it looks like Amy's waiting for it. Waiting for Jake to just fucking spit it out. So my speculation is... Uh, I get to ask this question and answer it. Um, when he pulls her aside in forensics... I think she knows then, and I think that's why she's participating in all the derails. Like, she doesn't want this to happen yet. When they mention the photos, she's like, grout, contractors, irrelevant bullshit. When the feces stuff's happening, she's like, what kind of feces is it exactly, Mr. Forensics guy? Like, she is tro- she's torpedoing the mood. You know, like if it's going to happen, she's okay with it happening. But I, I, I think she's intentionally, like, pumping the brakes. So then the question is, why is she doing that? Well, it's your turn to answer your own question. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, so, I. 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 You were saying before that, like, it's because Amy wants it to happen on her terms. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about this and about something that me and Romantic Styles were talking about on Twitter last night, which is, I I think this is going to be part of the culmination of Amy's assertion arc. I, I think Amy needs that. I mean, I think from a storytelling perspective, I think Amy making the first move for herself is better, but I also think, like, with regards to the arc, it's better. Like, so for those of you who have no fucking clue what I'm talking about, like, at the end of, not Beach House, not, a Stakeout, at the end of Stakeout, at the end of Stakeout, Amy says to Terry, uh, it felt really good to stand up for myself this week. Um, I think I, I think I need to stop being quite so much of a pushover. And we saw some of that developing in the episodes that followed, and then I think some of her, like, Amy Gina friendship stuff has been playing into that too. The like trying to be more chill, trying to like, you know, um, not freaking lose her mind around Holt, basically. I think some of that plays into that sort of like her own like personal culmination. Her arc if if they're going for an arc for Amy, it's quieter. And and I think the culmination of that arc could be her either, like, making the first demonstrable, like, push with Jake, the letting, I, you said it once, she wants it to be on her terms, I think that's the culmination of her S2 arc, the back half here, and I think it's, like, her making the first move with Jake, whatever it is, and probably in the finale. Well, I think it's her turn. That's, that's exactly what, what I'm also saying, is, like, that, it, we've seen Jake make the... M- he, he, we've, that, that shit has played out. 
Jake making Jake asking her out or dumping his feelings on her is played out. It's her turn. Like him doing it again, there wouldn't be any narrative reason why it would work this time. You know? Mm-hmm. Oh, she's finally unattached. She's like up for grabs now. No, fuck that. Right? We don't get anything new out of him going forward again. And as an aside for that, I love that he's like, it's not my place to, like, keep her from keep other guys from dating her just because I'm too dumb to do anything. Yeah, like, that was that was legit. I but yeah, I I thought that the um, I was thinking about Amy's arc and it being, it kind of like, kind of fading to the background a little bit, and I'd like to see that come to a conclusion. Mm-hmm. Just like I feel like the back half of. Season one was Jake kind of realizing he did have, like, serious feelings for Amy and, like, how he's supposed to deal with that. I'd like the back half of season two's Amy assertion arc to end with her being, like, her taking taking the reins on this. Because I think also for us as the viewership, it would finally give us some fucking insight into her, like, thought process. Yeah. I was, I was talking about this with Romantic Styles, and she was, she and I were saying how, like, Part of the reason I feel like we get so much of Jake's perspective is that he's clearly confiding in people in the 9-9, right? Like, we see his Boyle's his best friend. He talks to Rosa openly in the middle of the fucking bullpen about this stuff. Keeps using the love word. Although apparently no one's there. <laughs> yeah, whatever. It's fine. But, like, um, but like he keeps using the love word with Rosa just, like, right there. The love word? The word love. The word love. Okay. So. The love word, which is short for love. Jake, Jake keeps saying love, and even if he's not meaning it seriously, it's, you know, it's, it's raising the tone. Yeah, and, and I, anyway, the point was that, like, he keeps confiding in people in 99, and she and I were wondering, like, does, like, is Amy confiding in anyone? And if so, why aren't we seeing those conversations? Is it because they're not with people in the 99? Like, or, or they're with Rosa. <laughs> so it's happening in the kind of bubble of dark secrecy that exists around Rosa. <laughs> Which is fine. Yeah. I hope, though, that we get... I, I just want one scene. Just, like, one indication. Like, we got the hair tuck fine. I would like to, to see, like, one scene next episode, without it all being part of the plot of the episode, of Rosa being like, so what the hell with your no-cough rule? And Amy and like something like maybe even something non-committal, but you know something like that. To to they could do a lot with very little to establish a confidence there. It's interesting you say that because I I believe if I'm correct if I if I recall correctly the next episode is like a Holt Wunsch Jake a plot with a Gina Terry. Amy Rosa B plot, I guess boils in the A plot. Whatever, it, it whatever. But like, I it it I know that Amy Gina and Rosa are getting put together next episode. And given that we've seen Gina like being more supportive of Amy, especially recently, supportive quote unquote. You know, it's up and it's down. It's the way she does. Yeah, she's clearly working on like being a better friend to Amy, or there. Or she's decided that Amy's more amusing. Whatever it is, <laughs> the uh, the 
I like I like your speculation there because like it could very well happen because you know when they put the three of them together interesting things happen yeah yeah that bar by the way that they go to that like speakeasy with like the the keychain is that what it's called yeah yeah that is the most Brooklyn thing I think the show has ever had except for the chocolate milk bar the chocolate milk bar is the most Brooklyn thing that's ever existed on this show. Seems a little Chicago to me. The speakeasy thing? Yeah. Well, New York went through a big speakeasy phase, like, mm-hmm. five years ago. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's... I wasn't around for that, so... I caught the tail end of it, and the remaining... The remainder speakeasies are the ones that, like, actually didn't suck. Right? Like, so... Fair. There's the back... I should have mentioned them. There's the back room. There's Death and Company, which isn't that secret. There's Please Don't Tell, which is an open secret. It's kind of cool to get in there, though. Uh, Milk and Honey, which has a very, like... It looks like it's a... Like a shut-down building, but... Their old location was much more secret. Um, speakeasy-ish. Um, anyway, I, I know the Manhattan ones. I don't know the Brooklyn ones as well. And there's, like, Lovers of Today, and... This is a stupid fucking trend. It's kind of cool. Elitist is shit. It is totally elitist, and that's... I don't know. I You and I kind of disagree a bit, but, like, I love that Majors is, like, part of the super secret... It makes sense that Majors is part of the super secret thing. <laughs> I love that he's, like, so, like, passe about it. Yeah. I just I, want to talk I about like this. Majors. I actually do like him, too. And Garrett Dillahunt is a great actor. Like... I love how subdued he is. He just couldn't care less about Jake and Amy's shenanigans. I don't think that that's... I meant the notebook flip and the sunglasses thing. Oh, yeah. I mean... (laughs) I don't know. I feel like he very succinctly established a really interesting character who just takes the things they're doing totally at face value and really appreciates it. Yeah. Um, Who, Like, at some point he just decided that being hard-boiled was stupid. (laughs) And... Sincerely enjoying everything that happens to him is great. <laughs> I don't know. I think. But then, like, but then he's like, oh, I got a medal, whatever. Yeah. Uh, true. I mean, there's some stuff like that. It's it's not all perfectly consistent with my worldview, but <laughs> I don't know the way he takes being dumped by Amy. I thought was super chill. Yeah. I thought that that. He had an. He was an interesting take on um, a certain kind of masculine ideal because he managed aloof without being uncaring. I don't know. This episode was a number. had a number of weird um, flourishes on a really tired plot, right? The. Oh, I was thinking of asking her out guy who's been pining for her. What are you going to do about it? Like, that plot sucks. And I'm glad, like, if I were Amy and I figured I was in that plot, I would shed both the men in it down really hard and then pick it back up however I damn well please later. You mean exactly what happened? Yeah. (laughs) Like, kudos. Uh, fuck that, you know? Don't, Don't end up dating someone you care about because suddenly there was a time limit based on some other... It's just all bullshit, right? But... I mean, it was cute in Tactical Village. It's not as cute the second time around. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was cute-ish, but mostly super childish in Tactical Village. Like, it's amazing how much Jake has grown since then. 
Um, but, like, it was the ways in which Majors was different from the normal threat, and Jake was behaving no- differently than how we'd expect a character of his profile to behave in this situation, and Amy, like, I feel like 9 out of 10 when this plot happens, then Amy then Amy would be tied up with dating someone who sucks for, like, half a season. Well, that's what happened last time. Yeah, and, like, every single time Rachel Green ever did anything, right? Yeah, I get Or Ross. I, mean, I don't care about those fuckers, but, like, <laughs> every time. Every time. Like, this is an absolutely standard element of the will-they-won't-they they, that it did not happen the normal way. And I appreciate that. Yeah, Majors' level of non-threat is so, like, obvious. Yeah. Like, in retrospect? Yeah. Yeah. He He's not the... Yeah, I don't know why. I guess he's too cool to be around very much. I think it's the fact that he's not on screen much and doesn't have any a lot of one-on-one with her, right? Whereas, like, Teddy had a lot of, like... He w- it's true that, like, when the three of them were on stage, Major was never engaging with Amy. But, yeah. Whereas with Teddy, it was like, Jake was the one insinuating himself into that, like... Yeah. The other thing I thought was interesting was, um, Jake being like, I thought of- I've been thinking about asking her out for a couple weeks. So that's like, what, ACDC and <laughs> hiatus. <laughs> um. No, I feel like Jake had many opportunities to grow some self-respect in this episode and was performing, he was functioning like a working human being. I did like that he's like, because he's got all those muscles and is financially responsible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, I like, I'm, I, the more I watch this episode, the more I'm happy with it being the Emmy submission episode. Like, I, I, I learned that this is one, this one and the Boyle and Eddie wedding are the episodes that the show submitted for Emmy consideration. Um, Yes. I'm super into it. I, I really hope that ACDC is the one that, uh, that whole, that, I'm sorry, that Andre Brower submits, because I think he was wickedly funny in last week's episode. He was extremely funny in last week's episode. Um. I think the Boyle wedding was a lot better than this episode. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking, is that I think that one's a, like, a fundamentally better episode, but I, I, I keep chuckling at this one. Like, it's rare that I, I see, I see fewer flaws the more I watch the episode. And in this case, I saw it, like, two and a half times, because I was half watching it while you were watching it. And, like, I actually think this one is... I think that the Boyle-Lanetti wedding is less standard sitcom fair, and that this is a good companion to it, because it being placed directly in context with it shows that they're continuing to develop and complicate their storylines. And it mentions the Boyle-Lanetti wedding, and that kind of causes Boyle-Lanetti to pull this one up. I think I think also, it's all the same pairings, right? So it's Jake and Amy, yeah. it's uh, Boyle and Gina, and then in this one, very quietly, it's Holt and Terry, right? Because yeah. it's ultimately Holt and Holt's whatever that gets Terry to stay. Yeah. So in that regard, yeah, they're very nicely parallel like structures, too. You know. 
Plus, the un- I I think I do think that Emmy people really like the romantic undercurrents in their sitcoms. I just have this feeling. I don't know anything about those people. So so there's two more episodes left till the finale. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, and we have we have all the things right, like all the spoilers and stuff that we're probably gonna get. Um, I haven't been looking into them this time, so. So the primary big spoiler is that somebody is sort of forced out of the 9-9 at the end of season two. Um, they're not leaving the show, like, for real. Yeah. Just, like, in, it's just the in-universe plot, right? And me and a couple people have been, like, speculating about it. Um, the obvious answers are probably either Terry, Holt, Rosa, or Jake. Yeah. Yeah. I think those, it's one of those four. Almost certainly. Um... I thought, that's why I thought it was interesting that you're like, of course he stays. I'm like, well... It's two episodes from the finale. Terry still doesn't make any sense to go. Uh, the security thing, because that we weren't sure, uh, we as the fandom weren't sure how that would play out, or like how that would culminate, right? Yeah. The episode culminate. Obviously he's staying, but like... Although if he was forced out, they could do basically exactly what they did with... uh, Ben Wyatt? Ben Wyatt. Every single time he didn't have a job. He always went back to the same fucking accountancy and always stayed there for, like, up to one day before leaving. That's one of my favorite running gags in parks. I think of those people you mentioned, Holt makes for the most interesting third season. I I suspect... I actually do suspect it's Holt, like, for real. Because of the lunch stuff. Yeah, although... Wunch taking Rosa... Basically making it like either you stay or Rosa stays. It's not both of you. Because Rosa was the other half of the Giggle Pig Task Force. That's the primary thing that Wunsch sort of threw the gauntlet down with Holt about. Holt about. Like, that Sophie's choice. Yeah, I mean, I guess what Wunsch could do is like, uh, I'm promoting your prize, your prize officer out from under you. She's mine now. That's what you get for beating me. Yes. Um, I see less clearly a path to... Holt being temporarily forced out. That isn't... Well, that's... that's what something. Well, the specific the specific thing is that we know that somebody needs to leave the 9-9. Like, somebody's yeah. leaving the 9-9. And that the... I think Gore, Dan Gore's exact words were, they don't necessarily want to leave, but they have to. Right. I... My guess is it's probably... It's, it's tied to Wunch. It's tied to that entire plot line. Probably, yeah. And it's... Because of that, it's tied to Giggle Pig, and the main players of the Giggle Pig thing were Holt, Terry, and Rosa. On the other hand, they could, for that very reason, they could like make Amy go undercover or something if they want to do that fucking shtick again. So that's the other thing I was thinking about. Because is, she doesn't have, she doesn't isn't known to the Giggle Pig dealers. Well, I think that whole thing is done. Maybe. Yeah, because like they got a medal for it and everything. Like, I think that's complete. I don't, And they've not mentioned Giggle Pig again. On the other hand, other things they haven't mentioned again is the guy who got away in the season two premiere. Yeah. And and I was telling, I was, telling on, I was saying on Twitter that, like, the FBI was very upfront about the fact that that was one of the biggest busts in years. Um, you and I mentioned that, like, Jake going FBI, I think it's too early, but oh, yeah. Jake going FBI is, like, a definite, like, open possibility for him. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't necessarily... Like, we were we were talking the couple weeks ago 
um, about my hiatus adventures and how uh, the the writer I met was saying that like uh, one of the truths about Jake is that he doesn't want to be captain. That doesn't mean he doesn't want to be like. I mean, he totally wants to be a TV cases. show FBI agent. Yeah, 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 exactly. So like I. I I think the dark horse here is actually Jake going back to something with the FBI. Either involving that mobster who got away or something. The reason I say that is because the easiest loophole to I don't date cops is, well, I'm a special agent now. It's too soon. I agree that the timing doesn't work. I also thought the timing didn't work for season one, though. I, I just mean, like... If Jake goes agent now, he doesn't come back. Right? Yeah, I know. That's the other thing. The reason I'm only pushing the Jake thing at all is because with Sandberg hosting the Emmys, um, his availability in this filming schedule for season three at the beginning is going to be weird. But it's a Sandberg vehicle. The show? Yeah. Yeah. Like, there wasn't going to be an arc on, on Parks and Rec where... Like, Amy Poehler, Amy wasn't, Poehler wasn't in three episodes. That's true. She even worked when she was pregnant. They yeah. just hit her behind stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's not, he's not pregnant. I don't care how big a job the Emmys is. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> oh, God, when you put it like that. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I, I, so I, I mean, I like the idea of Amy getting something like that. Like, Dark Horse Candidate there. It's probably Holt Rosa. Like, whatever that is, that plot Or Terry is forced into paternity leave. Unlikely. Yeah, the NYPD probably doesn't have paternity leave. Also, it's only been six months. Right? In yeah. universe? Uh, yeah. Seven, maybe? Six, maybe. Yeah. He could be forced out by some kind of terrible, like, premature birth situation. That's too sad for this show, though, right? Yep. Goofiest possible option, right? Because, like, yeah, I sometimes... They're bored with cloud feet. <laughs> but, like, to wrap up, I I thought... I liked this episode a lot. It felt very season one in a lot of ways, including the, like, Jake ducking under the tape and doing the super serious sunglasses thing. Felt like the intro from the pilot, like... The cold open from the pilot. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I really liked this episode, and I'm I'm kind of, I'm actually like excited because I think the run to the finale is going to be really strong. Well, I think that's all we had to talk about. Yeah. So from all of us to all of you, some of them. Yeah, probably. Who knows? Not you. You who is listening now. You are excluded. This has been back in the field. Carl. <laughs> My name is Carl. <laughs> And my name is Arthi. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye! Bye.